0: I got to tell you about the trans page uh, for MIT. Please do. Uh, it is a, a subcategory of the LG, LBGTQ plus services page. Um, and there's a paragraph and it says, uh, the services staff work with various MIT offices and administrators to explore, assess and improve the areas of MIT policy and community. That sounds great. Okay. Okay. Next section. Swim test. <laughs> <laughs> MIT has a swim requirement for all students. There's a swim test that consists of jumping into the pool feet first and swimming 100 yards continuously. That's that's challenging. How we learn if you're trans. (laughs) You're you're gonna have to do a trans swim test in order for MIT. I will say Uh, the
1: swim test for when I became a lifeguard was extremely awkward being a trans individual.
0: Oh, for sure. And then they go on to say, uh, you know, if if you have concerns about the swim requirements, the test can be accommodated or gender affirming uh, in a safe and supportive way, which is fantastic. I just wish you would have, like, gave me a transition to, like, here's our service, swim test. (laughs)
1: Like, okay, so all their students have to pass a swim test? What the fuck does it even mean? All MIT
0: students, hey, hey, you're here to do computer shit. You're going to also have to be able to swim. You're going to jump in the pool feet first, swim 100 yards continuously, and that's how we know you're good at computers.
1: (laughs) Like, there are a lot of things swimming could be applicable to, right? Like, fine motor skills, large motor skills, whatever. I don't think that any of those have to do with MIT, though. (laughs) Unless they want every student to participate on their swim team, which would be pretty cool.
0: Why does MIT have a swim test? Here it is. This is pages called MIT's Wettest Test, which, hey, uh, 2014 Nicole Morell, I hate to call you out by name, but you are on the internet. You had to have given some thought to the title of this particular article. So the director of physical education at MIT uh, says that uh, test has a purpose outside of worrying about would-be graduates. It's a self-survival skill.
1: Knowing how There's
0: to more, swim? But yeah. I mean... They don't want their students drowning. Okay. They're at a college, not in the ocean. Not in the ocean. <laughs> Uh, They go on to explain, uh, reading this as we go here, MIT has an international population that generally has not had access to swim courses like many in the United States. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually pretty cool. That's cool. But then you're like, all right, get in the pool. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, it is a little bit of a weird way of doing it.
0: So are they... Do they
1: provide the students with swim lessons?
0: Thank you. This is the question I have. MIT is not alone in providing a swim requirement. Cornell... Uh, Notre Dame, Columbia, Williams, uh, and Hamilton College all also require swim tests to be eligible for graduation. Oh, wait a second. Is this a requirement for you to graduate?
1: So it's not an admission requirement.
0: Oh, yep. Must, must be done in order to complete graduation. Okay. Okay. Uh, This seems to sneak up on some seniors year after year. Hey, MIT, you're not doing a great job then of teaching your senior (laughs) graduates how to swim. I don't know why I'm so upset about this, and I'm really glad that we're recording it because nothing that we've just read makes sense or really has anything to do with being trans other than going back to being trans and getting in the pool sounds like it could be a challenging endeavor. That's a nice way of putting it. (laughs)
1: Hi, I'm Anna, a transgender person, and I'm Cam, your dad. And this is the Transgender, a podcast promising my transition
0: and a cisgender man learning how to support it. Hi, Anna
1: hi how's it going it's
0: going pretty good how are you
1: i am all right uh interesting day -day. today
0: tell me about it
1: yeah so well i moved my car to start off with and then i realized that i could go to wendy's and have food which shout out to wendy's love them also love wendy's And Wendy's has this really cool option, as most fast food places are getting, where you can order on your phone. So I ordered on my phone many cheeseburgers because I wanted to eat them throughout the day. And I think that the, the drive thru lady thought I was a DoorDasher because when I drove up and I was like, hey, I have a mobile order for Aliana, my full name, she goes, Elena? <laughs> Elena? <laughs> Elena. <laughs> I get Elena a lot. No, full name, Aliana, which is where Anna comes from at that point i just kind of had to sit and laugh because what do you do you she corrected me on how to say my own name
0: <laughs> what what did you do i'm curious
1: uh i literally just laughed in my car i kind of just got through ordering my food and then drove up to the window and i was just laughing the entire time they must have thought i was a crazy person well they
0: they weren't wrong well so yeah also it's unfortunate that they uh decided to decide what your name was <laughs> Um. Well, I think uh, that leads into today's topic. Um I want to talk to you about uh why can't they get your fucking name and pronouns correct? Oh and god, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think about pronouns and naming a lot. And my first experience with someone who was transitioning, it was really a struggle for me, Anna, to to have an understanding of how best to support them as a human being without really having a grasp of using somebody's different pronouns and knowing somebody with a name that uh, then changed. And uh, it's so funny thinking back on that because now I, I've had the privilege of being a part of people's lives who have transitioned, that I've known as one person and, and have transitioned their name or their pronouns. But I also think about like when people get married, they change their last name and I've never had a hard time using a new last name for people. So why is that, like what is that mental block is something that I've really struggled with as a cisgender person in this conversation.
1: So... When a married person changes their last name, it just changes their last name and it doesn't change their whole identity or what you think about them. At least it shouldn't in a proper and healthy marriage. Um, And so when you change a small thing about your first name or um, change your last name or something, it's not changing the whole identity of a person when it comes to changing your first name, um, and especially changing your first name along with all of the other things that come with being trans and transitioning. And it's still a change in how you are perceived to other people, whether or not you change how you yourself perceive yourself You know, when I transitioned and I got my name changed, it was the most happy I had ever felt. But also, I had to change so much about how I thought of myself on top of how other people were seeing me. So names really carry a lot of meaning. And when you change your first name, it's a lot more than just changing a last name or making a nickname or shortening or what have you.
0: So, I really find that interesting because I think there, the point that you made about societal uh, oppression of trans people when we're talking about a name change, compared to like if I started wearing sunglasses all day and had everybody start calling me shades, that seems like an easier thing for people to be able to do because, I mean, there's baggage for wearing sunglasses at (laughs) night, of course. Uh, There's a whole song about that. But, you know, the, it just, it's the roadblock that a lot of people have is that that name association has to do with gender, and and so so I hear you fully in this, in that a lot of people transition to nicknames in their life, and they are called something different than what they were called in their childhood, or you know I, this is the closest I can possibly come, and it's not anywhere in the same ballpark, but. Being called Cam, or being called Cameron, has had important significance to me because when I have called myself Cam to people, they mishear me as Ken, and then all of a sudden I'm Ken to people, and they're asking where Barbie is, and... So, so I've come in a professional sense to, to call myself Cameron, even though that's not my preferred name, because society has made it more difficult for me to, and and again, there's, there's no comparison at all, other than I can feel the very minimum of what that, looks like for a sister. well it's funny person.
1: that you say that because there is some comparison so as we've discussed my name is aliana but i go by anna when i am out in the professional setting i generally use aliana and does it mean that i get my name said all the time wrong yes but it just has it's got more oomph to it if that makes sense you know and regardless of which name I use, Anna or Aliana, I'm still gonna have my name pronounced wrong. I can't tell you how many times I've been called Anna in my life. <laughs>
0: Let's bring pronouns into this as, as kind of the next layer, because I think that's part of this, too. When you change from a masculine-sounding name to a feminine-sounding name or vice versa. So the question for me is, what is that relationship between pronouns and your name and how people associate those things? So is it that when they've known you as a certain gender and then they've known you by a certain name, those two things combine to solidify your identity in the minds of people?
1: That is a very good and challenging question to answer. Yes. Pronouns, ironically, have been some of the most challenging things to change for some people and the easiest for other people. And changing my name helped somewhat with that. You know, when people see the name Anna or Aliana, they generally think more feminine, which is what I was going for when I chose my name. Still, If I am dressed too, quote-unquote, masculine, or, um, sorry, the quotes were over the too masculine, not just masculine, or I'm, like, not sounding feminine enough, then I still get misgendered even to this day, and I am almost exactly a year into hormones and have been in my transition for over a year now, so what the fuck is up with that, huh?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because it's still a process, you know. It's unfortunate to me to hear that this may be something you deal with your entire life. Um, it, despite the best intentions of society in starting to learn to do these things better, it, it seems to me that we are still misgendering and and mis uh, naming you, and that leads me to what is that like for you, Anna? And and maybe that's a little more open ended than I mean it to be, but just how does that? feel to you and then what does that have to do with your transition journey
1: man you're hitting me with all these doozies today describing how a sensation feels is maybe one of the hardest things that you can ever ask anybody you know like if you were to ask me how a burn feels i'd say hot but there aren't very many words to describe the physical and emotional sensation that occurs whenever i am dead named for example and let's just be clear: dead naming and misnaming are two different things. Dead naming is using my old name. Misnaming is mispronouncing my name, using a random name for me, something like that. You know, um, it doesn't have that connotation. So if somebody were to call me Karen, that has almost the exact same impact it would for a cis person than it would for a trans person who doesn't identify as a Karen in the sense of a name. When I am dead named. That feels like... I, I've i never been hit by a truck, but that feeling <laughs> is the best way to describe it. It feels like I have been punched in the gut and thrown onto my back with all of my uh, physical muscles tensing up and all of my emotional capacity being torn to shreds. It can quickly develop into a long and painful bout of dysphoria, as well as just being a hellish situation to be in.
0: And as your dad, that makes me really sad to hear because I want people to be ready to accept you, no matter what your name is or what your pronouns are. And uh, I guess that's why we're doing this podcast, right? (laughs) Exactly. What should we do if we don't know someone's pronouns? I mean, it, if I approach you, and and as you said, you're, you're dressed too masculine, in quotation marks, and I, I have not identified what your pronouns are, and I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek because I, I don't think we should approach anyone assuming what their gender is, but what do we do if we don't know what your pronouns are?
1: Well, you touched on the first thing I was going to say, which is never assume. We are built on making quick judgments of people. That's how we have survived for as long as we have as a species. And we need to not be doing that based on the fact that so many people no longer express themselves in the quote unquote traditional way. You know, I, as you were saying, what should you do if you approach me and I am not presenting extraordinarily feminine as I occasionally do the best thing to do is just fucking ask there are some people who will get offended and most of those people are transphobic cis people though pretty much everybody should just be like hey what are your pronouns and they should be able to tell you them you know there are certain circumstances in which i've interacted with more older individuals who don't know much about the queer community and they have they've always questioned me on what i mean by that and you can then kind of dig more into generalities of like well do you identify as a man or a woman or do you identify as a i don't know boy or girl or whatever um because generally those people are not going to have the pronouns of anything but he him and she her most of the people i know of who have gender neutral pronouns they them and all of the vast number of others know a lot more about queer and being queer and the queer identity than those older folks do
0: well and so that that older folks piece you know it's so interesting to think about that because there i think there is a generational piece to this and i don't ever want to use that as an excuse because um i I'm not a spring chicken, and I have worked really hard to learn these things, and I think everybody can do that. But I was also thinking about a game of Guess Who I was playing with, Oliver, uh, the other day, which, when I was a kid, was a game that often started with, is your character a boy or a girl? With Oliver, without really any prompting from me, we didn't establish a rule of using non-gendered language, but when we play Guess Who, it's, does your person have blonde hair? Does your person wear earrings? So things that you might traditionally associate with a gender, uh, if you're an old person like me and, and have been conditioned by society to think that way. Which
1: we shouldn't um, be.
0: Exactly. Uh, I I feel really great about the fact that a five-year-old with the right environment and, and a positive ideation around gender as a construct – I think, is able to look at all of these things with more of a neutral view. And so, so hey, caregivers out there who are listening, teach your kids right away <laughs> that we need to be practicing how we talk to people about their pronouns and how we describe people. And using non-gender language is not that hard to do if we practice it. And boy, a five-year-old can pick it up pretty quick.
1: Which, to all those transphobes who really shouldn't be listening to our podcast um yeah it's a five-year-old can do it fucking get your shit together
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you like to save money i know i do that's why i've started using upside Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to $0.22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional $0.15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code cameron six three four. Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N. Six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cash back from Upside. So the other thing I I want to talk about, just briefly, um, is neither you nor I identify as as they or have a gender neutral pronoun, uh, but we know. A lot of people that use gender neutral pronouns uh, as part of their identity. And part of this, too, is we cannot make an excuse for the fact that generations really play that much of a factor. Societal conditioning does. But the earliest recorded use of they as a gender neutral personal pronoun was a 14th century French poem called William the Werewolf, which, hey, William the Werewolf is a very good name for a poem.
1: And a very good name for a poet. I would love to meet a guy named William the Werewolf. I'm a poet (laughs) and a werewolf. I bet he does like beautiful nature poetry or hardcore slam poetry, and I can't decide which one.
0: (laughs) So this idea about gender feels modern because I think media has sort of made this a modern issue. But I even think back to, to Shakespeare, and I think about plays that were staged uh, at various times in history where women were not allowed on stage. And so we had actors, male actors, playing female parts.
1: And I, my favorite Shakespeare play is As You Like It, which is about a cross-dressing woman who pretends to be a man to, like take her own destiny in her hands and fuck shit up and it is amazing. I say trans or I say uh crossdresser and woman because that we are never explicitly told that she is not a woman and that um you know that she is a man or anything like that. Though her expression is much more masculine than any of the other characters and it is beautiful.
0: I love that. Well and that goes to maybe the tangent that I was going on as well which is I mean that's That's part of this whole idea of identifying and how we identify in our gender and our name is that you can be a person that cross-dresses that does not make you the gender that you don't identify as. So if you are a male person and you're cross-dressing to wear female clothing and again all these things we need to just kind of stop even thinking about it in those terms one or the other
1: feminine and masculine is the way that i like to describe it and even then those terms are sort of becoming outdated as expression becomes more of a fluid thing so you know we're gonna use the generic and traditional male female masculine feminine what have you um to describe what we're kind of talking about though to our more queer knowledgeable viewers understand that we are we understand that this is not how it should be perceived it is how it is perceived
0: exactly the other piece of this whole conversation that i I wanted to bring up and i think this is still in the same track is you know i we're talking about how modern again media i think or a certain subsect of our society views all of these things as liberal craziness that's occurring right now and you know this is a problem that is today's issue that we need to solve in order to get back to traditional uh, values which is a huge problem i mean that that needs to stop and we need to be educating people to be more tolerant of each other in general but one of the things was you know well people are identifying as he and they're identifying as she and they're identifying as they where is does this end uh is that sort of uh, tucker carlson you know alarmist viewpoint on these things and
1: if i may this just makes me think of a John Oliver quote, which is, uh, where does it end? Fucking somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> and even then, the alarmist view is like, oh, well, you know, if we have people identifying as he, she, they, toasters, what have you, like, yeah, what's the issue with that?
0: I just had an epiphany. <laughs> I'd like to start identifying as toaster. <laughs> I am a very warm person, and... <laughs> That uh, kind of fits who I am. So this leads me to just another factoid that I thought was was relevant in all of this, and that's the idea of using gender-neutral pronouns is not a new concept. In the 1850s, newspapers were experimenting with using gender-neutral pronouns because they saw that there was a need to be able to identify individuals without assuming their gender. And that's huge. Those pronouns were like Z or Z, X, E or Z, E, Fee, Air, O, or Nee. And I love that because, hey, identify as any of those things. like And more. <laughs> and more. And toaster. I mean, that's, that's the point <laughs> is that the whole idea behind this is that it's not hurting anybody, but the person whose identity is on the lion to do this. For you to identify as Z has no impact on on my life and how I live it, other than to love and support you as a human being who is finding their identity in the world, and and that's my favorite part about your transition has been for me to be able to be here and go rah rah do it, you know like <laughs> like go go through this and let me know how I can support you, you know that's that's how I think if we're being really humanistic about all of this, we need to be supportive of everyone's journey and and where they're at and and i'm sorry people who feel otherwise uh i I just feel that you're wrong i feel that your gatekeeping of pronouns and what we should be calling people is absolutely ridiculous it fully is like someday we'll talk about maybe gender roles and and some of those you know like like bastions of a society long past that somehow still creep into these conversations but uh that that'll have to be for another time I think.
1: absolutely so just rounding back to the question of what should i do if i don't know somebody's pronouns and well the two obvious answers are don't make assumptions and ask them there are a few other things that we need to talk about regarding this question, such as, like, can I make mistakes? Do I, as the person who has pronouns that are not quote-unquote traditional, have any responsibility to the person who I'm talking to? Things like that. Um, just answering a few of those briefly before um, we end here.
0: Well, I want to say, I- I'm giving you permission, cisgender people, to make a mistake now and then, because I I do as well, and... Um, and I misgender my female child on the rare occasion and <laughs> i I own that, and I need to step back and say, whoops i I did that, and it hurts her for that to happen, and I need to make sure that I do better so it, as you are learning to use pronouns and people's names and their identities correctly. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, you just got to own it. What's not okay is to be a dick. You just, you can't. You, you need to stop that. You Unless that's to... your identity.
1: If your identity is being <laughs> a dick, that's okay. Just don't make everybody else subject to it. Yeah.
0: Um, on the flip side of that, I mean, I, I've got to ask you, you said exactly the thing. Is there a responsibility as a transitioning person for this conversation?
1: You know, yes. And on behalf of myself and absolutely no other queer people, I say it's okay for people to make mistakes with me as well. Does it hurt? Absolutely. And it will hurt probably until the end of my life. Though, if we don't allow people to make mistakes, they're never going to be able to learn. On that topic, queer people, what the fuck is wrong with you? I have been in so many situations where... I've had friends and other queer people correct people so aggressively and mean that the person on the other end is never going to learn anything. There has to be room for error and mistakes. Yes, it hurts and it sucks. And starting your transition is going to suck. It absolutely does but that patience and knowing that things will get better and that if you make sure that the people around you learn and are then able to help you teach other people you're not only making your world a better place for yourself but you're also paving a really important and good path for your trans and queer and what have you toaster siblings and so you know it's really important that there is patience in these conversations I assure you, you are going to be in so much more pain than whatever the fuck you say to this other person. And that's okay. It sucks, and it's painful, but you can make it through it because you've made it through starting your transition, and that is much worse.
0: If you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who's transitioning and you'd like to talk to us about it on the show, uh, please shoot us an email at questions at transagendapod.com.
1: That's transagendapod.com not transgender agenda pod
0: yes trans agenda pod we wanted to make it easier for you to not have to type out 37 characters to uh, get to that email address
1: be sure to check out our episode description for links uh, to resources on today's topics as well as important links to the trevor project glad which is an lgbtq plus directory to other resources and the resources and sources that we used for our um, information today
0: Thanks for listening. I've been Cam. And I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgender. Love you all, except the biggest.